0: For April 22nd, 2019, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 564, A Brace of Coney's. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. Uh, the overthinkers are like your smart, funny friends from the Internet. We're never happier than when we are hanging out together and talking over the things that interest us. Usually uh, it's a movie, a, a TV show, a song, an album, a book, a uh, video game, something like that. But I feel like uh, today it's important that we not forget the reason for the season, you know, the, the, uh, we had, uh, uh, Passover began and, uh, Easter happened. This podcast is being released on Easter Monday. So, uh, you know, children have been collecting eggs as a, as a symbol of fecundity and new life. And, uh, speaking of the reason for the season, no, no symbol, no important, Cultural symbol is more, uh, you know, more uh, trenchant on this day than that most fecund of animals, the rabbit. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> Say that word again, Matt. <laughs> uh, yes, fecund, Fe- fecund, um, <laughs> the of the the rabbit. So uh, whether or not you were visited by the the rabbit yesterday. Um, We want to take a little time to talk about the rabbit, the symbol of the bunny in popular culture, the Easter bunny and beyond. So uh, let's dive right in. I'm Matt Rather, and I am joined by my good friends, Peter Fenzel. Hello. Hey, Matt. And Mark Lee. Season's greetings.
1: Uh, Hello. Season's greetings to you, Matt.
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, gents, let's let's just dive in. Do you have a favorite Easter tradition um but the, the, I'll will t- tell you mine while so that you have a second to think of yours. My mom used to do uh, scavenger hunts for us on Easter, which involved a lot of post-its of like look under the. I mean, not scavenger hunts. A scavenger hunt is where you have to like bring back a bunch of items. No, like tre- treasure hunts where you know we were guided from post-it note to post-it note around the house with clues like look under the couch or you know look on the third shelf of the bookcase or things like this to find. And the next posted note and the the Easter basket was hidden at the end of this uh, long thread of of Post-it notes, which unfolded with the grim inevitability of an episode of Law and Order. So the the which you know is really a, a joyful Easter joyful Easter miracle. But but we got candy at the end, so we were delighted. We were so 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 happy. And this was definitely an improvement from a parenting perspective on the hiding Easter eggs. Uh, model because through June, July, and August, you're going to be stepping on Easter eggs out in the yard uh, or wherever you've hidden them. You're going to keep finding eggs that you that you have hidden, and if you do hard-boiled eggs that you've colored, it will not be a pleasant odor throughout throughout the house. And it was a reality that occasionally we would find some post-it notes around the house through June, July, and August. But uh, you know, at least those don't go. Bad. Pete, do you have a, a favorite Easter tradition or memory that you used to do uh, in the Fenzelian household growing up?
2: Yeah, sure. So we had a similar sort of hunt and I think that hunting and kind of digging, digging around and in, in sort of burrowing and hunting and looking and searching for things that are hidden, rolling away the stone, as it were, is kind of an interesting dimension of all this that connects back to wascally wabbits uh, in various respects, symbolic and uh, practical. But we would do everyone, every kid in my family would get a basket and a present for Easter, some sort of small present. And the basket would be, have the chocolates in it uh, for the Easter eggs and the Cadbury cream egg and a toothbrush. And then the present would almost always be a stuffed rabbit for the girls. And for me, something that's not a stuffed rabbit. And so, uh, and, and they would be hidden inside the house. And so we would all search throughout the house to find our baskets and our gifts. And, and it would normally be these rabbits. And so over time, you know, on one hand, In the experience of the moment, this would often be like very, very long process because finding hiding places got increasingly challenging. But that didn't mean that we backed down from the challenge. No, sir. Right. In fact, I think they still do this in the I don't think I'm going to be able to make it back for Easter to my family this year because we're hosting my wife's family for Easter this year. But if I were to go back, there would probably be some measure of hunt like this where and and if you find something that's somebody else's basket or rabbit, you're expected to kind of keep mum about it until help is requested, at which point you would kind of play hot and cold. But sort of in the moment, that's kind of an interesting it was a real challenge. Right? It was not not easy. And then in in retrospect or over time, you would accrue, you know, in the family, this large quantity of stuffed rabbits, which had a peculiar sort of symbolism i suppose you know whether they were in one of those kind of stuffed animal hammocks hanging from the ceiling or kind of littered about children's rooms uh then rabbits would multiply is what i was saying Uh, and we also did easter egg hunts outside but they would always be plastic eggs and we would kind of do them for reps so we would like hide all the eggs one group would hide all the eggs then the other group would find all the eggs. Then that group would hide all the eggs and the first group would find all the eggs. And we would do that over and over and over again. But I didn't enjoy that quite as much as I enjoyed the uh, indoor hunts. Was there like a so, count
0: to keep to, to make sure that you maintained egg integrity, egg inventory integrity?
2: Once, the, once at least to some of the kids were old enough to manage things in such a way that emerged, yes. So it would be like and I think in the 20s. 23, 24 springs to mind for like the number of eggs that you were looking to find in the yard. And the yard was not that big. So, so many of them would be very, very easy and some of them would be really punishingly hard. And there was kind of a negotiation of the, how kind to be to each other by how easy... You know, are you just going to like dig a hole and bury one of the eggs <laughs> and then just see if they can find <laughs> it, right? And Dig a hole in the garden, that kind of thing. Or are you going to be nice? Uh, that sort
1: of thing.
0: Yeah, but as the, as the overthinkers have learned in our, our annual... Uh, our annual retreat, our annual overthinking it retreat with an annual charades game. Uh, there, there are reputational effects. There, there, there's a problem with uh, being a being a bad player. There's a problem with giving your fellow overthinkers bad charades clues because it'll just you know the the next hole will be twice as deep, and the next hole will be uh, twice as deep as that, and then the next time they'll just smack the egg on your face and say, "You find it, you find it." <laughs> Maybe that's my family and not yours. Mark, uh, what did you do for Easter?
1: <laughs> I don't have anything super great on this, um, you know, aside from like, you know, the marathon of, of church services leading up to. Uh, Easter Sunday itself, but uh, the Easter Triduum for those who are keeping score at home, uh, the Catholic score at home. Um, but I'll just use this opp- opportunity to talk about a brand name that you might have forgotten. It has to do with the dyeing of Easter eggs, which I think was it, sure. Let's go with it. It was a it was a tradition. It is a fast, long-held tradition of the Lee family to always dye the Easter eggs with a certain brand of dye kit. Does the name PAS ring any bells? For you? Oh yeah, oh, sure. A A
0: S. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I did. Uh, I did some of those this weekend for sure.
1: Okay, so it's still a thing. I had no idea, right? Like, uh, we were just having this conversation, and like, all of a sudden, out of the deep, burrowed recesses of my mind, right? I haven't thought of the PASS Easter egg die kit probably in like a good 15, 20 years or so, and then it just came to me here. So, just fun fact your fun Easter fact is that uh, the the PASS brand comes from PASSEN, P A S E N, which is Dutch for Easter. So, there you have it. Oh, Passing equals Easter.
0: Were you, uh, were you guys bunny aficionados? I mean, was there a was there a mythology, a lore of the bunny that uh, you know the the bunny came and it uh, it left the eggs for you, or was there an alternative explanation proffered for for where everything came from?
1: Memory is hazy. If I had to guess, the bunny was probably downplayed. Um, in deference to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who died a grisly death on Good Friday, but rose in glory on Easter Sunday.
0: Did you do the full? Did you do the full three-day extravaganza?
1: We must have. Yes. Yeah. Lots That's... of incense. Lots of like falling asleep in church and uh, hunger pangs. I yeah. mostly remember. I mostly remember the hunger. Like
0: because they're not yeah well right exactly yeah because the, the Good Friday is a especially is a day of fast and abstinence yeah. which means you get two uh, two like what like half a bagel uh, meals and then one real meal. Um, in the sort of technical definition of fasting, uh, for the purposes of Lent, and then abstinence means no meat. So, uh, so yeah, you have to eat lobster, I guess. No, that, that's that's uh, <laughs> not really in the 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 theme of poverty and and charity and good works and and
1: whatnot. actually actually after the after you break the fast, you eat rabbits raw. <laughs> which, which, Matt, that, you might not catch, but this is one of the reasons why we're talking about rabbits. Um, aside from the coincidental Easter holiday, yeah. yeah. So, um, to to clarify for everyone,
2: Mark is, of course, talking more about the movie Us, the Jordan Peele film Us, which we had a wonderful podcast on a few weeks ago with a lot of great conversation in the in the comments too. When, and thinking about the resonant rabbits, which are held in subterranean layers and consumed by the not necessarily evil, but kind of downtrodden and downcast doppelgangers of human society that wish to come out into the light and kind of murder and replace their uh, their antecedents who are more privileged than they, right? It is this sort of state of subjugation that you live amongst the rabbit cages and you just eat the rabbits alive, right? Or you, you kill them and eat them without being able to cook them. And it's sort of, that's a compelling idea. What is up with the rabbits? Uh, you know, our, our guest Chian was talking about how Jordan Peele says that rabbits are inherently scary because of their eyes, and that's why he puts them in movies. But this raises the larger question of rabbits generally in pop culture: what are they doing? What's up with that? Right? What's up with the rabbits? Because it's pretty freaking weird, complicated, and dissonant at times. I feel like yeah, ra-
1: the, the oh, other the other important yeah, yeah. touch, recent touchstone is the movie The Favorite, mm. um, which prominently features rabbits. Uh, not spoiling anything as, as representation of Queen Anne's dead children. And then other things as well too, more symbolic and perhaps eh, a little bit spoiling, Not so much. Like I don't know, Matt, you saw the favorite, right? Like what a what a. No, I,
0: I believe it or not, I actually didn't see the favorite. Though I'm a big yeah. Olivia <laughs> Coleman, Olivia Coleman fan. But it's I mean, we sort of talked about this in the Oscar podcast how the the declining relevance of the Oscars, the whole like prestige movie season. Um, I like I I had other things going on. You know, <laughs> I was I was fleeing a fire, and uh, I was. Uh, you know, I don't know, making making plans to move early in the new year. And so I, I my movie going was not as uh you know, was not as faithful as it has been in, in previous years. So it's definitely definitely one to Netflix when it when it comes out there. But I I don't know, Pete I would say that the the um I would say that the, the power of rabbits as a symbol is kind of akin to the power of bears as a symbol because they can go... They sort of have different valences, right? A bear is, is a terrifying monster uh, the, the, of the sort that was always parodied on the old Colbert Rapport show on Comedy Central. <laughs> like, the number one threat to America, bears, right? The, the um, fierce uh, predator kind of bear and then bears are also like a a cuddly fluffy children's toy right and I I feel like rabbits do do a similar thing in that there are there are several aspects of the rabbit you know Um, Bugs Bunny is a mm-hmm. rabbit, the Playboy Bunny is a rabbit, the uh uh the the evil bunnies from us or the, the bunnies from the evil part of us or the downtrodden or the the you know uh uncanny the, the doppel- tethered yeah <laughs> uncanny doppelgangers um, or uh you know I don't know the Velveteen Rabbit is a rabbit the uh and and um have i done a, a cuddly one yet and the 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 rabbit from the runaway bunny or good night moon is a rabbit uh do you guys know the runaway bunny
2: i think so yeah i think i've read that book but refresh my memory
0: it's oh it's a little um in uh, in the play wit uh, that was adapted into a TV movie starring Emma Thompson uh, about a, a John Dunn expert literature professor dying of cancer um, when when she becomes incapacitated by her illness, her supervising professor comes in and reads her the runaway bunny because she 's in town and has it for her grandchildren and and the the the, the, the poor woman the the poor ill woman can barely speak um, she can 't say anything but uh, she wants but the the uh, the professor who is there to to see her before she passes says um would you like me to read you or tell you anything would you like to hear anything from john dunn and she musters enough uh energy to say no <laughs> no john dun <laughs> and so the older woman goes into her bag and says oh I have this for my my uh uh for my grandkids the runaway bunny once there was a little bunny who wanted to run away so he said to his mother I am running away. And he uh, goes through a catalog of things that he's going to become. I'm going to become a fish in the river and swim away from you. And then the mother always says, well, if you become a fish in the river and swim away from me, I will become a fisherman and I will catch you for you are my little bunny. Well, if you become a fisherman and, and catch me, then I'm going to become a, uh, a cloud in the sky and blow away. If you become a cloud in the sky and blow away, I will become the wind and I will blow you home for you are my little bunny. And it goes on like this for five or six for five or examples. Examples, and at the I'm rate,
1: gonna I'm gonna live off the grid and be John Connor. Then I <laughs> shall become a Terminator and hunt you down.
0: I shall become a murderous hunter killer robot, and I shall uh, and I shall find you and terminate you for you are my little bunny. So at <laughs> the end, at the end. Um, uh, The bunny, the little bunny, is is thwarted by by his mother's unstinting love, and he says, "Oh shucks, if you do all that, I may as well stay right where I am and be your little bunny." And the last lines of the the book are, "Have a carrot," said the mother bunny, (laughs) (laughs) which is it's just the sweetest thing in the world, and it's it's uh, it's a sort of cuddly, like cozy, cuddly bunny family um kind of thing and and they're the same they're the same rabbits as the rabbits in good night moon i think um it's it exists in the Goodnight Mo- moon universe
2: <laughs> right because it's the same author right margaret wise brown is that yes, sir yeah exactly yeah 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 it's it's so i love the I, my favorite part of that book i'm looking through pictures of it now is the picture of the mama bunny and waiters as the fisherman, right, with the fishing bag, like walking out into the water to try to catch the bunny fish with the carrot on a string. Yep, Uh, It's a really interesting riff on the Merlin versus Morgana Lafay duel, right? It's (laughs) it's like this shape-changing duel, (laughs) which gets replayed over and over through literature, uh, which has this sort of odd sexual undertone of kind of compliment, right? Like, you'll be this, and I'll be that, and then you'll become this, and then I'll become that, um, which is sort of also... If not, I guess foiled in this story uh, of—is it of Proteus, of like wrestling Proteus, or uh, is it Hercules? Yeah, Proteus, you got to
0: you got to hold him down and make him assume one form, right? Right, right,
2: right, right, right. The, the, gloss, the,
0: the gloss that's offered on this book in the play Wit, after, uh, you know, they don't read the whole book. They just read a couple pages. Um, and the the woman falls asleep in her hospital bed and the, the older professor says goodbye. Uh, but the thing is, that she reads a couple pages of these and she says, Ah, oh, a little allegory of the soul. Wherever it goes, God will find it. <laughs> <That's lovely. laughs> sort of depends. On, so, really, it depends on what you bring to this yeah. story. It's a, <laughs> like, like a lot of things, and like bunnies in general. Is my point? You know, there there are a lot of uh, different meanings that you can project onto the onto the phenomenon uh, to make it um, to make it you know mean one thing or another. Speaking of uh, uh, phenomena, is there a uh, is there a Muppet bunny? I can't think uh, I can't think of a muppet bunny off the top of my head. I think
2: there is, but I think it's a minor one that might there's have appeared later. A minor muppet. Let uh, me see, is there is there like a there's Bean Bunny. This is is that uh yeah, and he's he's from 1986. I, I I was I something like rang a distant bell in my mind for this and I looked it up. Yes, Bean Bunny is a latter day bunny that uh a latterday day muppet rather who joined uh, as part of something called the bu- the Tale of the Bunny Picnic, and he has the general look of the jug band. He has the kind of uh, eyes that are all pupils. Uh, that he doesn't have the kind of eyes with whites that most of the Muppets have to make them more kind of identifiable as human. He has Got the it. kind of alienated eyes.
0: He has the button. Um, he has the button eyes and not the googly eyes. Right, right, right. Which is which is an
2: interesting taxonomy of anthropomorphization, right? Is that the bu- the button-eyed animals? It's sort of the lamb chops play along versus the Muppets, the button eyes versus the googly eyes, and whether and to what degree they seem expressed. Or various generations of Ninja Turtles have similar sorts of taxonomies. You know, do they have full-on googly eyes, or are their eyes merely white triangles that sort of alienate them further and separate them from humanity? Um, but yeah, but bunnies, so like you mentioned bears which i feel like is really interesting and there's this storytelling platonic ideal of what a bear is that doesn't really match the natural reality of the bear and i feel like that resonates a lot with bunnies and rabbits and just to unpack it a little bit right cuz it almost sort of seems like the notional bunny Is a fictional creature, like a fantasy creature that combines a a, a dimension, a series of dimensions and aspects that don't belong to any one animal uh, into this notion this idea. And and a lot of it has to do with kind of the movement of peoples. So just to to flesh this out really fast, and I'm interested in, in what you guys have to say about this, is I'd make a couple of distinctions, right? Which is that you have rabbits and you have hares. Right, which are different kinds of animals, mm, uh, and the cla- we're not the classic
1: you know. rabbit hair dichotomy. Go yes, on, yes, exactly
2: <laughs> the classic rabbit hair dichotomy. We're in a rabbit, and, and and part of the confusion is that these animals are not necessarily native to all the places where people talk about them, and a lot of the vocabulary the vocabulary of them that's developed over time in different parts of the world has been spread by the fact that they exist in the Bible, uh, right? That they are they are mentioned in the Bible, and as such, places to which they are not native creatures would have descriptions of them that were in the Bible that had to be translated. Translated and would I- interact with the language in different ways. But a rabbit is a cuddly animal that can be domesticated and lives in burrows under the ground. And is thought of as kind of do- sort of docile and um, and eats vegetables. But it's sort of cuddly and snuggly and nice. And, and this is that kind of animal that you would have in your house, maybe.
1: All right with you so um, far. So that's right. the good night, Moon uh, Rabbit. Yeah, that's, that's the
2: rabbit. rabbit. And the yeah. hare it do- lives above ground in kind of thickets and is the uh is is not domesticatable is wild and runs fast and jumps high right so like uh when we think of rabbits as having the aspects of being able to run or jump or being fast or quick uh, or evasive we're really talking about hares which are kind of also something of an agricultural pest whereas yes bunny rabbits can also like eat your vegetables but hares can kind of run around and and elude capture uh right and so and this is somewhat identified in uh beatrix potter right where there are there's you know uh rabbits and hares peter rabbit is is and they're depicted as cousins but these animals are not actually related um and then you have bunnies which are which is a word for a baby rabbit that actually comes from a word for a baby squirrel which means sort of like a small adorable cuddly thing and there's the old word for for uh where it's i think the old word is coney like coney island right which is a name for rabbits uh, which is connected with, like, lewd... <laughs> and, I think it's connected mostly by coincidence with dirty words and and, and sort of j- uh, anatomical curse words. And so, because Coney Island is not the way that it was originally pronounced. And so you have this weird cavalcade where, like, a rabbit used to be a baby Coney, but then the rabbit becomes the adult Coney because the Coney is a bad word in English. And then the word bunny, which used to be a name for a squirrel, a baby squirrel, becomes the name for a baby rabbit because we no longer have... Have a name for a baby rabbit. And and then also, there were no rabbits in North America. So all the hares start getting called rabbits by Americans or bunnies. And so it all kind of gets amalgamated into sort of this rabbit bunny fantasy creature that has all these various dimensions. And we get to the point where we get to Bug's Bunny, who very who in certain ways is very clearly a hare, right? In that he runs fast and he's elusive and he, he's not domesticatable. But you know, he's a bunny. In that he's sort of cuddly and his coloring and his sociability, his ability to get along with humans, but he also burrows, so he's like a rabbit. And so there's all these different dimensions, and I I guess my hypothesis combining from all this is that the ways in which rabbits – or are, are bunnies, this whole sort of this conglomeration of creatures which look similar but are not actually the same animal uh, the, into one sort of unified symbol is used to elucidate various sorts of salient cleavages in the behavior or social participation of people or various sorts of moral lessons that we think of. And some of it is gender coded in that sort of hares are seen as masculine and kind of rabbits are seen as feminine uh, and r- sort of bringing out the rabbit aspect rather than the hair aspect and the rabbit hair continuum identifies something as more kind of uh, either Victorian and civilized or feminine. Uh, and, and then they bring out the hair aspect is more like either liberated or masculine. Um, and, and it's interesting to see rabbits and bunnies kind of adopt these different sort of characteristics across different sorts of of cultural symbols. So that's point,
0: my kind of yeah. Yeah, I'll point out that Alice in Wonderland. Uh, Alice's, I guess, what is the first book actually called? Alice's Adventures Underground um, has two, right? The the yes uh, yes that's Alice, what I was thinking about. Yeah yeah. So Go there's the White Rabbit, uh, mm-hmm. who is a rabbit in that he burrows. He's identified with civilization. He's kind of tethered to civilization by his pocket watch. He's running around. He's late. He's governed by uh, chronology or chronology. He he uh, is of the logos. E you know, and uh, <laughs> and he's governed by the logos. And the March Hare, who is at the Mad Hatter's table at the Mad Hatter's tea party, and the uh, uh, is you know expresses the kind of the wild, the aspect of wildness, the aspect of ungovernability, um, being tricky, and is not governed by the logos. In that they, you know, there is this this whole discussion. I, I think of unbirthday at the you know, uh, and he's kind of the un he's the uh unrabbit he's you know a a um just a giant uh he he is he is negation made furry right and that uh is that's what the uh, that, that's the kind of the hair aspect and it's important that he belongs in the underground world and he belongs in the in the kind of the crazy town of um of the, the uh, what through the looking glass world and whereas the rabbit kind of moves between worlds. There isn't a bunny, but it's uh, I'm sure Alice like has a, a maybe a stuffed bunny or something like that. Right. And the bunny is, is a notional uh, category that lives in the hearts and minds of children. So there you go.
2: Yeah, it's so interesting. And also worth noting that in popular depiction, the white rabbit is white and the March hare is brown.
0: Uh, yeah, like, and that was yeah. in the that was in the Disney movie. That's in mm-hmm. I think a lot of illustrations of the the yeah. including the originals.
2: Which I think reflects both kind of uh, racial cleavages and also kind of performative participations in racial cleavages. You know, the sort of the March Hare is more energetic. Uh, you know, you could think of them as either tanned or as of color. And the white rabbit wears, you know, a waistcoat and has a monocle and and is always, you know, as you said, of the logos also always trying to meet late for an important date, right, has structured time. The, the white rabbit has structured time that it needs to attend to. And that's part of its whiteness. As as well of its part as part of its uh, as, as ness um, I mean the rabbit that sticks out to me then that kind of uh, combines both of these things into uh, an interesting uh, and, and kind of interesting. Um, uh, I guess what uh, not entirely resolved cross purpose is uh, is Peppy the rabbit from Star Fox. Uh, Who you might not necessarily know of as a rabbit, but you might know of as a advocate of barrel rolls. (laughs) I do a barrel roll. (laughs) So, uh, So to get into the rabbit taxonomy of Peppy Rabbit from Star Fox, the rabbit hair dichotomy, Peppy the rabbit from Star Fox is Star Fox's father's friend. So he is a rabbit fighter pilot, right? And so in being a fighter pilot, he has hair aspects in that he is elusive. And he, he kind of and then the Star Fox team are always kind of underdogs that are trying to go up against some sort of armada. And so Peppy having this history uh, and even in his name is his speed, right? He has hair aspects. But Peppy, in his relationship to Fox, has rabbit aspects in that Peppy is the sort of surrogate father figure who is the sort of voice of reason. Right. You have Falco, the, the bird, who is the rebel, who is who is never wants to you know, obey what the team is doing and wants to go his own way and prove himself. He's the teenager. Then you have Slippy, who is the child, the frog, who is always getting into trouble and needs to be rescued. But then you have Peppy, who is the reliable one who kind of supports the team. And teaches you how to do a barrel roll, which in Star Fox is a defensive maneuver, right? By spinning your ship around, you can deflect. Uh, lasers and so the rabbit aspect of peppy is this sort of domestic protector who is upholding the idea of the linearity of the family and the responsibility that the team has for each other but the hair aspect of peppy is a fast underdog fighter pilot who has kind of aged into the idea of being a rabbit (laughs) and it's interesting that peppy has kind of brown ears and brown and brown uh, skin around his eyes but has like a big white ish nose and so he has both the hair and the rabbit aspects that are going on, which I feel like is really interesting. Mm. I mean, I
1: don't know, are there any rabbits that jump to mind for you guys as wanting to deconstruct? So, yeah, I think this is a good time to bring up another uh, rabbit slash hare that straddles both parts of this divide, which is the Playboy Bunny. Okay. right. Okay. so I'll try to unpack this. So um, let's start with this. Right. The hair aspect of the Playboy, the the Playboy Bunny, first of all, is both the mascot for the magazine and the brand of Playboy, which, as we all know, is softcore pornography for men um, of women. Uh, And it's also, though, right, what the women have been dressed up as, you know, they put on a little outfit with the ears and also um, what they are colloquially referred to. Um, so the hair aspect, of course, is like the Hugh Hefner, just like the ch- trickster, wily, masculine, um, also like sexual creature, right? We have barely, I, mean, I don't think we've talked about like, you know, humping like bunnies aspect, um, of, of this creature. Um, so that's the hair part of it. And then the rabbit part of it, Well, it's the feminine, it's the docile, it's the cute. Uh, right. is that uh like a, a good clean way to describe what's going on it's here inter-
2: it's always interested. it's not not i wouldn't say it's always interested me but occasionally when it has come to mind i found it a bit confounding that in the playboy logo the rabbit has a bow tie and a collar right mm-hmm. but but mm-hmm. in the actual playboy pageantry the rabbits are the women who've been put into this sort of subservient sexual position right and and, and the play, and it's called Playboy. And the sort of general idea of it is that the men are sort of issuing. Eschewing- traditional constraints on what a man is expected to do in terms of being serious right it makes me think of that part of the Bible where it's like well when we became a man I put away childish things and the idea of being a playboy is that you never really fully put away childish things and that sort of Hugh Hefner proposition is the idea that as an adult you should and can continue to embrace childish things and that there's sort of an intellectually sophisticated way of doing it uh, so that you you know you kind of reinvent uh, it, it's sort of it's similar to Ghostbusters in the respect that there is a rejection of tradition that feels liberating. But there's also a kind of embracing of a particular sort of man, uh, almost invariably white, who is kind of not has any sort of responsibility for anything else, which feels like it's not liberating. And there's this this weird tension. So why? Why is it? And in Playboy, the playmates are supposed to be liberated in themselves, but they're also so subservient. And I guess the rabbit serves as an interesting loaded symbol of this because it represents both the sort of domesticateness and the fact that you're kind of in a burrow right there's a mansion there's there's this sort of like place this home where all the rabbits have to go and and where they engage in kind of rapid sexual fren- frenzy um, and so there's both this idea of freedom and this idea of not even wanting freedom. It's not even that they're enslaved. It's that they're not even supposed to want anything other than to be dressed up like this, right? Um, which is, I mean, horrible <laughs> in certain ways when you think about it. Um, and, and yet, it's supposed to be fun. And this gets into the idea that well, it's an animal, so it's in their nature. Um, it, it seems really... Fra- I don't know, Matt. I'm I'm running up against the wall on this a little bit. It seems really challenging. Are you Are you getting any sort of uh, bunny related? uh analytical a little, brainstorm. A little,
0: a little frisson of, of uh <laughs> bunny, you know, it's just I wanna nuzzle that that bunny's fur. The yeah. um yeah, I I don't know, but Playboy Playboy itself is like a really complicated and multivalent symbol and historical phenomenon. You know, that that like yeah. it's difficult because there were there were legitimately progressive things about it uh, uh about its outlook but uh legitimately sort of retrograde things about its it, or or de- definitely retrograde i should say things about its outlook as well the the you know huge sexism not least among those um but that like uh yeah the the bunny it's funny that that, that there's kind of a bunny that you can that you can participate in and and the bunny the the for the for the men uh as you say the largely white men who are rich enough to join playboy clubs and kind of who live this uh this kind of urban sophisticated life right like and it's this life itself is kind of an interesting hybrid because it involves not you know um like this this rebellion against like the man in the gray flannel suit kind of uh conformity Mm -hmm. um the, the kind of Don Draper, the the exterior of Don Draper, right, kind of conformity, um, at least at the beginning of, of Mad Men. Uh, a rebellion against that, it in the sense of like not not giving up an interest in jazz music or you know I don't know uh, progressive politics or art yeah, or things skiing like that. yeah, yeah exactly yeah sure right yeah the le- certain kinds of like leisure outdoor activities a sense of like a sense of vitality of holding on to a sense of kind of vitality and of engagement in the world that that in itself we don't necessarily find. Uh, that we don't necessarily find discreditable. Um, On the other hand, uh, it involves, you know, a a lack of seriousness about things like other people's feelings, (laughs) (laughs) treating women like human beings, you know, like uh, that we would not, that that we would consider sort of discreditable, and that's uh, that you know I'm I'm sort of getting sucked into the whirlpool. I'm getting sucked into the the vortex of of litigating and relitigating um, the meaning of Playboy, and it, it's very it's complicated too by by the kind of diachronic aspect of this, which is that what it was in its early days. Um, Right. Or maybe society, maybe it changed or maybe society changed around it. But what I was going to say is that it, it became this ridiculous farce sort of simulacrum uh, of, you know, adolescent libido with Hugh Hefner having a relationship with, you know, 20 or 30,000, uh, you know, Five eleven blondes at the same time, um, all photographed together, standing in a row, and just a weird, weird, you know, sort of thing. And like the the idea of you know, d list celebrities at the Playboy Mansion having you know, having sex in the grotto or something like that is hey, creepy and gross and terrible, and and also just just. Bizarre, a little grotesque, right? It 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 has become a a sort of Commedia dell'arte. You know, you can imagine them all with the the Italian masks with the huge long noses, right? The, mm-hmm. hu- the huge long compensatory noses, not cute bunny noses, um, and, or. Like, and, and that sort of taints the, that taints the original, which might have had a little more of a point politically, uh, even to make. Um, or maybe it's just that in the context of mid 20th century sexism, it looks progressive. <laughs> right, it, right. And in the context of, of early 21st century, uh, social mores, it looks, uh, ridiculous and, and grotesque. I'm, you know, I'm not sure. And the bunny, you know, the, the kind of decorative, uh, bunny collars with the bow ties and bunny cuffs at the, um, you know, at the wrists seem like instruments of oppression, right? <laughs> Rather than like a sort of cute, slightly gender bendy costume, um, costume things, right? Like the, right. the uh, it's all, anything kind of interesting or, or uh, provocative about it has been, uh, has been melted away by the years and now it just looks like now it just looks like sort of straight up uh straight up um oppression anyway this is yeah it is it is a confounding symbol mark you're right the playboy bunny it's it uh i'm not sure it because it seems to want there 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 are it seems to have uh several ideas of sort of aspirational bunnies right like um Every uh, uh, every playboy probably aspires to be a Bugs Bunny, but is actually a runaway bunny who just wants his mother to feed him a carrot.
2: It is interesting to think about uh, – you mentioned how it becomes grotesque, and I feel like the vocabulary of rabbits in American literature – has this grotesque aspect i might maybe i actually need a a fact check uh, because we certainly can't we've already talked about us and we certainly can't have a rabbit podcast without addressing watership down (laughs) right which is the uh the book about the uh the 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 bloody political struggle of rabbits on an island right and um i think stokes was giving us some some notes on his thoughts about bunnies overthinker stokes before this and rabbits and i think he said he identified three or bunny texts right Goodnight Moon, which we've already addressed, Bugs Bunny, which we've talked about a little bit and, and acknowledged some more, and Watership Down, which is that idea. I think it, it's there to be deliberately provocative, right? It's that, well, you think that na- the state of nature for human beings as sociable creatures is to be like rabbits, which is to, you know, have make our burrows, seek out comfort, seek out delicious food. And the ideal situation for us is to have a burrow on the edge of a garden where we can come out and take bountiful food whenever we want without really hurting anybody and that and taking care of our kids and having lots of sex and having lots of children but in a sort of chaste natural and measured way uh and and with the occasional acknowledgement that that there's a hare running around on the outskirts and isn't that kind of a funny situation but with watership down it's like oh yeah if you were to leave rabbits in the state of nature they would murder each other right like uh Although I haven't read the I mean, I feel like I've read part of the book, but it was such a long time ago. And I know it mostly by reputation. Have either of you guys got a fresh memory of Watership Down and and that kind of rabbit?
0: No, it's story. It's one of those that they sort of give to you as a as a younger person, probably before because it has rabbits, but probably before you're really ready to to uh, pick up what it's laying down. You know, Mm, I hear you.
1: I hear you. Now, when you say like the the rabbits murder each other, like can you sketch that a little bit up, like what fashion and why?
2: Uh, it's it's just a spree killing, Mark. Uh, it's just uh, it's just they they do a lot of cocaine and then they, they wake up the next morning. They what did we do? No, no, no. It's um, it's actually English. It's not American. Thank I did I fact checked myself in the intervening time, uh, so I guess this is also related to England and not just America. Um, I believe it has to do with a bunch of rabbits that have a vision of a promised land that they can live in uh, and uh and found a new a new society and then they split up into groups and uh and um are trying to kind of like have schisms and they have internal politics and they um I'm trying to to determine exactly what happens because I was kind of hoping and bringing it up that one of the overthinkers had actually read this book recently, which is kind of a vain hope because you guys haven't watched Highlander recently. And I feel like there's probably a high correlation between the two. I don't really know what leads me to think that that might uh, might have it. But it's like a, it has a you know, it, it has um, there's a military. It's it's like a case society where there are soldier rabbits and the soldier mm-hmm. rabbits, you know, and, and a sort of uh, Gestapo emerges right, with a. Uh, with a, a cute, adorable, fuzzy, ruthless, you know, SS officer kind of rabbit who polices the other rabbits uh, and murders each, and it's it's all about. But it's, uh, to, to answer your question in brief, the violence among the rabbits in Watership Down, to my understanding, is a is an institutional violence murder. It's not the idea that the uh, rabbits—it's not a Lord of the Flies situations where the rabbits devolve into savagery. It's more like in the absence of of stability, the rabbits uh, organize themselves in ways that cause that like. Uh, Reveal their kind of vain desires for power and domination over each other, which manifests in acts of murder and cruelty. And this is supposed to kind of reflect the idea that, you know, we believe in the European society of the late 19th century that people are generally beneficent, that progress, you know, is marching forward, uh, and that, you know, if we kind of build our gardens, then we'll all kind of get along. But then the 20th century reveals horrible cruelties we're capable of endeavoring upon against each other, not just in the sort of uh, ostracism from. From the society, but also in the kind of societies that we make for ourselves in the shadow of this ostracism. Also, okay, so,
1: so, so, so like Peppy and the Playboy Bunny, uh, Watership Down is also straddling the rabbit hair dichotomy. It's got one paw in both camps, does it not? Uh,
0: I, I Maybe a little bit different, but Matt, what were you going to say? Well, it's, isn't there also in, in, in Watership Down, according to this Wikipedia summary that I've just <laughs> read, <laughs> I, I think there's also like a farmer who kills the rabbits. So oh, well, so okay, there are okay. two uh there are kind of two bad options right one is that you live that you're taking care of that you are warm and happy but you're you're uh sort of on the block right you could be harvested at, at some right. point uh, and then the other is that you live in a brutal rabbit totalitarian state and that's right. uh that that and that like uh bunny on bunny crime you know is is just a, a fact of your life or the the um the extrajudicial murder of bunnies by the people who were um supposed to protect them right is just a uh is just a fact of a fact of your life, which you know i don't know it is an interesting and and poignant and sort of potent set of metaphors but uh yeah, yeah that 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 like um it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like there is a it doesn't seem like there's a sort of good option socially, and I, I guess according to the oracle here uh, of the oracle of Wikipedia, like help help uh, eventually comes in the form of like supernatural aid. I think that the sp- uh, the spirit of bunnies visits the good bunny. Right, yeah, right, you know, right, like, right, right. Yeah. So
2: so to take it to back to things that we're more comfortable with, what this makes me think of is Thumper. From Bambi, uh, who has this sort of his very Thumper is very uh, rabbit oriented because you know Bambi lives in a thicket uh, and Thumper is his you know friend in the thicket who's more extroverted than Flower the skunk and has this kind of sexual impulse. There's the the image of of Thumper kind of thwapping his foot very very hard and rapidly <laughs> when encountering a, a female bunny, which I think should is something that is part of the bunny phantasmagoria right sort of that is among the gestures that is one of the great gestures of rabbits oh yeah
0: absolutely the 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 thwappening
2: yeah the the thwappening of the (laughs) rabbit that's been sexually excited and a rabbit that that is not used to situations of excessive activity you don't you don't imagine thumper is going around doing stuff and what i would point out is that when bambi which i would um which is an awfully Shakespearean sort of story in certain ways. Uh, when Bambi makes its story of transition from, you know, Bambi is, is a young, is a young fawn, right? And then or a, and and then or a heart or whatever it is, the young male deer, and then grows up into being a buck, then man comes to the forest and kills Bambi's mother. And then Bambi has to confront, you know, the forest is on fire and there's this cruel reality that he's been thrust into in moving from the childhood sphere into the adult sphere. One of the shortcomings of the story of Bambi, or maybe not shortcomings because it's wrong to sort of maybe say that it's good or bad. But one of the kind of aspects of the landscape of the story of Bambi is that once Bambi has become a buck, there really isn't a space for Thumper. In much the same way that once Simba becomes, you know, has, grows his mane out, Timon and Pumbaa don't really have a sort of way of truly interacting with his life anymore, right? Like, they're sort of around, but you get the sense that he's kind of moved past them. Um, and this would speak to the, the kind of uh, symbolic idea that Watership Down is deliberately testing for provocative and symbolic value, which is that, like, there's a bunny space for humans, and it's in childhood and it's in the, the the home, right? It's a the runaway bunny is the bunny leaving home. You know, you come back to the home because by your nature, you're a bunny. The good night moon bunny is in the great green room. And and there's not this idea in the life of the bunny in the great green room that the bunny is going to leave. Uh, you know, the quiet old lady whispering hush is not a malevolent presence right there's something sort of vaguely threatening to the adolescent spirit in the quiet, the lady whispering hush and goodnight moon but the rabbit is is happy the little bunny is happy in goodnight moon where he's supposed to be and thumper in the thicket or thumper in the forest where where mankind isn't burning it down is like that's a kind of idea of how a human could live that has a certain attraction to it and and a certain kind of uh There's a yearning of the of sort of normative yearning of people to create bunny spaces for their children, where they can they can appreciate and experience the initial. Uh, uh, stimuli of growing into adulthood in a safe and controlled environment, where like the worst thing that's going to happen is is, is the thwapping of the rabbit foot against the turf, and that energy isn't going to be manifested in other sorts of violent ways. Uh, yeah, it's, and-
0: it, you know what? It reminds me of Pete. You, you, you talked about uh, putting away childish things before, but it reminds me of the second part of Henry the Fourth a little mm-hmm. bit where Falstaff shows up at the coronation and is like, yeah, now the party's really going to get started <laughs> and, uh, and- and um, Hal, now King Henry the Fourth, says, uh, or King Henry the Fifth, surely, right? Um, yeah, I, yeah. Hal is Henry the yep. Fifth. Yeah, it comes to be Henry the Fifth. Says, uh, I know thee not, old man, fall to thy prayers. How ill white hairs become a fool and gesture. I have long dreamt of such a kind of man, so surfeit swelled, so old and so profane, but being awaked, I do despise my dream oh that's so cruel i know it's that's, all oh it's awful uh, and you see it's like false stuff like falls on his knees in front of him in front of the whole court and is like my king like my like almost like my boy my boy you've uh you know here you are like let you know let's let's uh Let's crack open, you know, a couple of 12 packs, but he, uh, you know, make lents, uh, it's awful. Make less thy body hence and more thy grace. Man. Oh.
2: So can, can we agree that if Shakespeare is all to be played by animals, Falstaff would be a rabbit? Is that because <laughs> of both of his mischievous side and his kind of domestic side?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, his well that, yeah, yeah, there 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 is his thing is kind of like a a burlesque of a house, you know? And he's kind of like the burlesque of a father to Hal, who is sort of the burlesque of a son um to him. And it's all, you know, it's all all pretty uh uh, all pretty kind of fast and fast and loose and and kind of profane in the sense of uh, being a travesty, right? Um, yeah. But that, but yeah, absolutely. I just, if the rabbit when when Disney does the the kind of the Robin Hood esque version of. Uh, of the both parts of Henry the Fourth, yeah definitely rabbit falstaff as a as a giant rabbit, though i don 't know they probably they probably try to make him like Baloo the bear or something like that, yeah, that, that he's, would make sense he 's supposed to be you know as round as he is tall
2: I think we can, I think we've also already identified the notion that that the bear space is similar to the rabbit space in the, the way that it you know this sort of Teddy Roosevelt teddy bear. Uh, it has this sort of domestic quality and adventurous quality, and this sort of post-Victorian. Uh, but
0: but before going yeah, down I mean, that the, the, rabbit the, the hole, the <laughs> teddy bear, the teddy bear is uh, as ambivalent a symbol as the Playboy bunny, right?
2: Right, right, right. Yeah, for sure. But, but I guess we should, we should address Bottom before moving on or we're going to get well Actually, right? Because uh-huh. there actually is a Shakespearean character who is a rabbit. Can you make any sense of that, Matt? And the, like, What's up with Bottom's rabbit ears in Midsummer Night's Dream? I thought they were ass's ears. Oh, is that what they are? They're not yeah. rabbits? That makes a lot of sense then, that he's not actually a rabbit. Are there any Shakespearean characters who get turned into rabbits? Who get, <laughs>
0: yeah, who get transformed <laughs> into rabbits. Um, there is a play called The Green Bird by Gozzi, an Italian play, um, that, uh, where the, the, uh, evil characters, the, the horny evil characters are turned into rabbits at the, at the end of the place. Uh, so gotcha, they can gotcha. kind of run away and, and, uh, you know, um, do, do their rabbit business happily in the woods.
2: So, so they, so the ears on bottom are like the ears on Pinocchio when he goes to Pleasure Island.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: They're not the ears of a hare. They're the ears of a donkey. Yeah. Uh, got it, got it. Although that recalls another kind of animal Tweaking that I was just talking about with my wife earlier today, which is how in popular culture the saying "that'll do pig" from Babe has morphed into "that'll do donkey" from Shrek, because the reference has kind of superseded the original, and so the donkey supplants the pig, uh, which kind of maybe changes the tone, the meaning of the phrase. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Um, do you guys want to talk about Zootopia? Because you talked about Disney doing versions of things with animals, and I feel like that might be like there's a whole but there's a whole subgenre of of television and movies wherein anthropomorphic rabbits play important civic roles in cities and towns. <laughs> right? Which is, I mean, Maple Town was, is a Japanese one that I remember watching when I was a kid, uh, where there's rabbits and bears and different sorts of woodland animals that are living together in a, in a, in a polity, right? <laughs> in a sort of frontier, in a 19th century American frontier society. But Zootopia, the main character, is a rabbit, right?
1: Yeah, uh, and, her, and she comes from a family that if I remember serves correctly, they are farmers, they're agrarian. They're, they're carrot and, farmers. Out, out of the countryside which would make a lot of sense yeah and then so she joins the police force which is a radical move uh on her part right the she's the first she's like a, a, a breaks down the, the barriers uh for rabbi so what like there's so that's interesting. the police force right um on one hand it is civilizing it is law it is order um but on the other hand like she's there amongst like much larger and brutish animals um, so uh, what's going on there, right? Like,
0: well, I mean, Zootopia is a movie and we, we talked about it on the thing. Zootopia is a movie that works very, very well moment to moment and completely falls apart. When you consider the, when you consider the thing, um, sure. uh, at a high level, because it doesn't, it doesn't have a consistent, um, it doesn't have a consistent narrative, but I mean, Zootopia is about, is about a couple of things. It's about the lived experience of prejudice. Like she's called a bunny cop all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, is is restricted from certain jobs or certain job functions or anything, uh, anything that she is interested in, right? Like, she's told that, that no, there are barriers to, to you doing it. Um, the other thing it's about is it's about how uh, intrinsic biological differences are narrativized to become um, – to become sort of powerful political differences. Uh, so the, the carnivore-herbivore dichotomy in nature is sort of exploited to be like uh, the carnivores have been domesticated, you know, and their, their rapaciousness is bad. Um, and the, the herbivores have been kind of like uh, made safe. From the, the, you know, from the carnivores. So no one actually gets to live in accordance with their, their actual nature and, and the society is, is sort of held together by, uh, the things that collectively they choose to repress. It's very, very Freudian in that way. So the, the, I mean, the bunniness, right, like is, uh, the bunniness is like, um, a kind of a kind of restriction, right? It's a it's a, a sort of social category um, that involves, uh, you know, that involves like prejudice, like cute bunny uh, and sly fox. I think are the the things that the two characters kind of tease each other by saying once they become friends at the uh, once they become friends at the end of the movie. Um, and and so it's not. It's almost like. But, but the message of the movie is sort of anti-allegorical in the sense that like, no, 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 you can't use like bunny as a shorthand for everything that an individual is. Um, so it, it is kind of a confounding example in our uh, in our typology of bunnies in our Easter typology of bunnies.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Another another example, another axis of this is because we've talked about. Bunnies and hares, and we've talked about bunnies as sort of ironic savages, and then we've talked about bunnies as kind of domestic and ironically domestic. What about bunnies as victims? I think, Mark, in the pre-planning for this, you had mentioned the movie Fatal Attraction. Uh, That seems to be something of a piece with Of Mice and Men with regards to its attitude about rabbits in certain ways. I don't know. But, like, can you unpack the bunny symbolism or rabbit symbolism in Fatal Attraction a little bit?
1: I I can't, actually. I brought that up by proxy of someone else who who has seen it, which I, I haven't. I'm curious to learn more about it, though.
2: Uh, I, think, I think she murders a rabbit and puts it in a soup or something like that, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which is supposed to be a sign of her, I guess, what, rejection of, of kind of soft domesticity and the embracing of kind of a more violent and savage way of living. I, I'm not I mean, sure,
1: but yeah. I, I believe the rabbits are, are hunted both, uh, what, for their meat and their pelts, right?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, another, another rabbit to talk about is that when Sam and Frodo are going to Mount Doom in the Lord of the Rings, they eat a brace of conies. Right. Which is they hunt for rabbits and and Gollum really wants the rabbits. And and, um, it's interesting to consider the difference in the general vibe and feeling and the more specific sort of symbolism between Sam's kind of devotional trapping and cooking of the rabbits and Gollum's kind of slavering desire for to eat raw meat rather than cooked meat. Right, is that he wants Gollum wants to eat eat the rabbit raw, like the tethered and us who eat the rabbit raw kind of involuntarily underground, but Gollum is kind of in the sunken place, right? Like different different subterranean Jordan Peel concepts, but perhaps related through the character of Smeagol, uh, who is is not racially coded in similar ways to the characters that dwell in those sort of dark mirror mirror lives. Uh but uh but Smeagol wants to eat the wriggling raw fish and doesn't want to eat the rabbit that's been cooked. He wants to eat the rabbit raw like uh like um uh, the various characters in us do
1: as well. But uh but yeah, it's it's race race of conies, is that J.R.R. Tolkien's language? Um or is that just what you reeled off, off the top of your head, Pete?
2: I think that's what he calls it. it. it sticks in my mind as something that that he's like is used. I might be I might be remembering it wrong, but uh um googling it uh, okay so the definition of a brace of conies from uh the oxford english dictionary is uh is this coming up is this uh is that uh it looks like one of those um yeah so a a oh it's a pair so a brace is a pair of birds or mammals killed in hunting so a brace of conies is two rabbits that i killed hunting that we're going to eat so uh, in this case, the example is 30 brace of grouse, refers to 30 pairs of grouse. I guess the assumption would be in terms of game meat, an individual rabbit doesn't really provide enough game meat for a group of people. So you would want to start with, you know, two rabbits. Um, maybe the method of cooking advantages it as well.
0: Two, the minimum, huh. yeah, the, the minimum number of of rabbits that, that you should eat. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there, there's also the... Uh, Does't doesn't, doesn't uh, the elder, the eldest McFly bring home rabbit uh, in back to the future three? Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, and and there's like buckshot still in the rabbit, and that's uh, you know that's that's the thing. I mean, you know, I don't know, reeling off some other bunnies. There's the the killer bunny in in uh, Monty Python: The Holy Grail. Um, there 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 are sort of sinister bunny. Like Jordan Peele isn't the only one uh, who thinks bunnies are sinister in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Is much more once more with feeling. There's a whole uh, little side uh, side motif about how. How uh, someone's really afraid of bunnies and they're creepy with their little noses and what's with all the carrots? What do they need such good eyesight for anyway? So the the presumed malevolence of the uh, the presumed malevolence of the rabbits is is uh brought to the fore again. Um, you know, I don't know. But but I mean, one
2: one rabbit I do remember one book I do remember reading is Benicula. Along with the celery stalks at midnight, yep, uh, which is the children's book about a bunny vampire that drains the juice out of vegetables, <laughs> and is and, and there's something then about the 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 inscrutability of the rabbit is an aspect that is explored in those books. I think like you can look at the rabbit's face and you don't know what it's thinking, uh, and the idea like what sound does a rabbit make is an interesting. Realize how old were you when you first found out what sound a rabbit actually makes when it makes sounds with its with its voice i think i'm gonna be
1: about like now years old because i have no <laughs> idea what sound a rabbit makes. <laughs> I
0: thought they made like it, little like little like chirping like mm, no they make awful shrieking noises Oh really? <laughs> right
1: well i think can you, make, can you demonstrate for a speed i think it's like rah,
2: rah, I, I can't actually let's uh let me see if i can find an example i so it the um let me see. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. But my understanding of rabbit noises was such that I wasn't sure in watching the movie Us whether the vo- noises that the the tethered in Us were making with their with their vocal cords were human voices by breathing in or like imitations of rabbit voices. Um, let's see if they make like sort of a honking braying so oh
0: really i'm putting a I've, i'm putting a youtube video of rabbit sounds into the show notes yeah uh, and it sounds like it sounds like uh i mean this is rabbit sounds for babies so maybe these are like baby <laughs> bunny sounds but they sound like squeaky they sound like squeaky toys you know like a yeah. like a squeaky stuffed animal that has the the little pumpy uh squeaky thing in the in the middle of it
2: Yeah, and I think it's the kind of thing where if you were in the wilderness and there were many rabbits making this noise at the same time, you would be shocked by it. Uh, And this is this is part of this meta narrative through rabbit symbolism of the kind of modern rejection of of. Well, it's not a modern rejection of Victorian thinking, because it's also the cornerstone of Victorian thinking, which is that human organization is necessary because of the savagery that lies beneath the surface and that we aspire to be rabbits. But we must be made into rabbits by being cared for by by kind of eschewing the darker sides of our nature um, even even the story of the tortoise and the hare as understood by modern readers might be seen as the moral the the tortoise and the hare is interesting because you can look at the hair in two ways. On one hand, the hare is only living its nature because hairs are kind of they run around and they're fast for sure, but they're they're seen as kind of evasive and changing direction often, whereas tortoises, in order to get somewhere, have to go in a straight line for a while. And so the idea is that the hare, by nature, has a short tension span. But the other way of looking at it is that the child who's being told the cautionary tale is the hare and should be told like Do not allow yourself to be distracted. Be a good rabbit and stick to your tasks Uh, is an interesting way of potentially reading that fable rather than like you should be the tortoise. It could also be don't make the mistake that the hare made, which was to not be a rabbit. (laughs) Um, And and this this idea throughout that these rabbits um, that like the rabbit has a capacity for being weird and savage and strange. But it, but in domestication or in sort of adequate feeding or in adequate comfort, the rabbit doesn't manifest these things. Like you don't hear the rabbit screeching in in the domestic situation. You hear the rabbit screeching when the rabbit's out in the wild that it's distressed.
0: I, th- uh, I think I think there can be no more sincere Easter wish uh, than that we have for you, uh, the listener, to say: May you not be out in the wild distressed. <laughs> <laughs> lots
2: of big fat carrots for you to munch on
0: because yeah.
2: rabbits have so much enthusiasm when they eat like the way their nose and their mouth
1: moves around is so adorable it's like they have gusto right when they eat vegetables it's, right may, may, like, you be, may you be chewing on that carrot in piece rather than uh fiendishly sucking on its juice at night
2: <laughs> yeah it's like it's like uh may, when people if people suspect you of being a vampire may they be incorrect <laughs> <laughs> and also if any if any uh any hunters who are hunting wascoey wabbits uh seem to come and get you uh I will, let's hope that they just don't come and get you <laughs> and, and that if they do that you have the wit uh and, and the hair like nature to be combined with your uh bunny like domestic ultimate harmlessness and benevolence right to uh to evade the various ill will that's directed at you at the front end of a double barreled shotgun whether your fingers are plugging the holes or not <laughs> We even got into Br'er Rabbit because Song of the South isn't canon anymore.
0: Yeah, no, we can't no no Song of the South has been memory hold, but but um the uh yeah, I mean the the Elmer Fudd. I'll I'll see if I can YouTube the Elmer Fudd cartoon and, and uh put that on and put that in the show notes too. Anyway, so uh that's the reason for the season. <laughs> Rabbits anyway and this and this has been the overthinking podcast thanks very much for listening thanks to pete and mark uh for podcasting with me we'll be back next week with more overthinking and podcasts wonder what we're going to talk about guys
2: uh next week yeah it's funny because i didn't know for a second (laughs) and i was like more rabbits because i made a whole list (laughs) even get into what was it max
1: <laughs> Which well, was, no, uh, no, rabbit season is over duck season is next week guys no
2: that's true duck season and rabbit season are going to alternate for the rest of the- <laughs> <laughs> sam and max will have its day as so will the rabbids <laughs> but no i think next week uh it's it's if we're not going to talk about the rabbits we're going to avenge them <laughs>
0: <That's> quite- <laughs> i mean i guess thor calls yeah. rocket rabbit a lot yes of the time in yes
2: the, there you go in that. which is because he considers him cute and loyal right and he ascribes him qualities that he doesn't really that he demonstrates <laughs> but doesn't think he demonstrates <laughs> that's a whole kettle of fish maybe that's will be our our doorway into the next avengers movie will be the relative rabbitness of the various
0: adventures do <laughs> buy your tickets now because i think they're all sold out in any case uh thank you very much we'll be back for that until then visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny if it probably it doesn't, doesn't doesn't deserve
1: <laughs> silly rabbit discourse is for kids <laughs>
2: Yes, we didn't even talk about the rabbit's insatiable fiendish hunger for cereal and inability to purchase it with currency, which is its, its heaviest burden that it bears through all of culture. <laughs> Was ever there a rabbit more mistreated than the Tricks Rabbit? Uh, ever a rabbit more unjustly maligned for its for its uh, its guile and attempts? Uh, I mean, maybe the rabbits who necks are cracked by George and the mice and men were treated more poorly, but certainly not over a longer period of time.
0: Aww, tell me about the rabbits, Pete.
2: OK, sure. So the rabbit, for some reason, really wants cereal. <laughs> and there's a whole bunch of children that are going to, for some reason, despite the fact that cereal is produced from surplus agricultural product and is it must be ample in order to even exist, are going to deny the cereal to the rabbit by uh, declaiming in, in a rule that has been devised by no one other than themselves that not only is tricks for tricks for kids, but the rabbit in presuming otherwise is silly <laughs>